0: Please remain standing now as I read this morning's scripture. This is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Our kids can be dismissed down the hall. There's programming for them that way. And to the rest of you, thank you for being here at the 9 o'clock service here at Community Christian Church. Earlier when I was talking about Dale, I also needed to mention that that service will be July the 9th. That's Saturday, July the 9th at 11 o'clock. So you can put that on your calendar. And uh, I know that the Johnson family will covet your prayers and they would love to To see you that day. Uh, We start today our Vacation Bible School series. And so what we do is uh, we take the daily topics that our kids will be learning about during the week of Vacation Bible School, and we kind of pull them out, and we talk about them from an adult perspective for the five weeks leading up to VBS. And so um, our theme this year for Vacation Bible School is Make Waves. And you can see uh, we've got uh, plenty of beach theme around us, and thank you, Russ, again, for um, all of the decorations that he just goes above and beyond every, every year, and uh, one thing that I would encourage you to do, I'm going to do this, I'm going I'm to be okay dressing beachy for the next five weeks, okay? Uh, if there's a really scorching Sunday, I might even show up in board shorts and chacos, so that it's just the VBS theme, okay? All right, that's what we're doing. But there, uh, in future weeks, we're going to talk about uh, catching the wave and Peter walking on the water. We're going to talk about uh, the lifesaver. Jesus is al- alive. Um, we're going to talk about making a splash and loving one another. We're going to talk about the ripple effect and the fruit of the spirit and how that works in our lives. But today, we talk about the wave maker, and we're going to go all the way back to the very beginning. Um, Genesis one, and the bottom line today is very, very simple, but very powerful. It's this, and this is the VBS lesson that our kids will will learn and take with them. God made people with a purpose. God made people with a purpose. So let's start with those verses that we just read, and what do we see in Genesis one one to three? First, this: God makes waves. Verse 1 starts, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that verse tells us that God created the world. The creator creates creation would be a good way to summarize that line. It is not the opposite. It is not that creation creates the creator. That's a very popular idea in our culture today, that humans somehow came up and invented the idea of God. But this text tells us that's not the case. Everything that is, is because of the specific will of a creator. Now, a lot of people in this room would probably agree with that today. But when it was written for the very first time, that was a rare idea. Every other religion in the ancient Near East around the nation of Israel assumed that it was matter, stuff, that was eternal, not gods that were eternal. And so the gods then rose out of the matter, and we should say about that 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 idea matters. And here's why. In that frame, gods are just a part of creation. They're not the cause of creation. And so what Judaism comes along and does, and, and the writer of Genesis, he he. he drives a thunderbolt through this kind of philosophy by this simple statement in Genesis 1 1 to start it all, God creates. God makes waves that bring everything into being. God is the creator. He's not just a manipulator of the material that already was here. God is the creator of all. Let me say it again. He's not just the manipulator of things that are already here. And that's a vast departure from every other religious system in that day. Now, you know why this matters, even if you don't know how you know why this matters. Because whatever we create, we care about. Maybe along the way, you've created a poem, or you've written a a story, or you've painted a painting, you've created a business, you've created a team, you've created a garden, or a story, or a great dinner, whatever it is that you've created, there is a universal truth about what you've created. Now, I have a little show and tell today because this is the last thing I have created. I actually put it together in the last two weeks, and you're probably I mean, when you came in, you were like, oh my goodness, what in the world is that? And you're probably having a little hard time. Maybe some of you piece together that it has something to do with bees, and you're right. It is not a beehive, but what you're looking at is actually a bee vacuum. It is used to suck up bees from off of their comb. They go into the hose. They go into the box, and there's a screen in the box. The suction comes from the shop back there, and they stay in the box, and hopefully we can carry them to a new home. And that's what I made this last week. Now, to you, this may not look like much, but here's the thing. I created it, right? It's got more—this little box— has gotten more of my attention recently than about anything else in my life. And I'm not ashamed, I'm not ashamed to to stand in front of you today and say, I love my (laughs) (laughs) B-Vacuum. And the embarrassing part is that uh, after I finished my B-Vac, I I just kept going back to it and just staring at it and just turning it on and testing it and tweaking it and will this work and I don't know, Um, and so, Uh, I was so excited about this box that I I went and finally I got Amy, and I went to her and I said, please, come. would you just come down to the basement and see my bee vacuum? And she looked up from her Candy Crush, and she just said, do I have to put shoes on? No, you don't have to put shoes on. Just, Just come down to the basement. And so she did, and she was impressed. She looked at it for a solid three seconds, and that was a win in my book, okay? And then... I actually got to use this crazy thing. Uh, Ann Stark told me about a, a, a hive of bees downtown that needed cut out. They've been there for at least a couple of years. And so I'd never done this before. I took my newly created bee vac and we went downtown and I camped out there. And, and uh, we sucked a bunch of bees into this box. And wouldn't you know it, it worked. It worked. We carted them off to a new home and I was able to collect them without killing them. And uh, so you are looking at just a box with hoses coming out of it, but I am looking at a bee vacuum that is my new prize possession, okay? And why am I so stoked about this thing? It's because it has my fingerprints on it. I did this. And it's the same with whatever you create. When your fingerprints are on it, your heart is in it. And the reason I know that this is true is because we are like God himself. We make stuff, we write stuff, we invent stuff, even ridiculous stuff like this. I mean, who was the first person who thought, you know, I wonder what would happen if I suck up a bee with a shop vac? I wonder if they would live through that. Oh my goodness, they did. Wow. Who's the first person with that. I don't know. Somebody did that, though, because God embedded in every one of us his creative instinct. And so that's why we're all insatiably creative, whether it's about art or architecture or poetry or welding or music or gardening or interior design. We love to make stuff and create stuff. And when we do, we love the stuff that we make because our creations are extensions of ourselves. And if you get the truth about us, then you will also stumble onto something about God, and it is amazingly magnificent, and it is this, that God loves the stuff he has made too. And he loves you because he made you God is nuts about you for no other reason than he made you from scratch. You have his fingerprints all over you and he can't help but think to himself that you are the absolute bomb because you are his. He is bought into you. He is sold out for you and it's because you are an extension of of him, And so he cannot be distant from you. He cannot be disinterested in you any more than I can right now be distanced or disinterested from this box. And that is powerfully good news for you and me today. Because he made you, God is intimately connected to you and invested in you. What Genesis tells us is, is that... When God created Adam and Eve, he went to them, he was connected to them, he went with them and he walked with them and talked with them every day in his creation, in the cool of the day. Adam and Eve in the garden walking and talking with God. He was with them, he wanted to be with them and that has not changed. He wants to walk and talk with you as well. His fingerprints are all over you, so his heart is for you. Now, It gets better than that. Uh, Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says this. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And in that verse, we're going to say this, that the Spirit makes waves. The Spirit makes waves. Verse 1 states that God created the world. He makes waves. And then verse 2 comes along and says that the Spirit of God is hovering over Over the chaotic waters, the concepts of deep and dark, those words that the writer uses were Jewish ways of speaking about chaos. And so the Spirit of God, the second person of the Trinity, is hovering over the chaos. And that word hovering indicates a kind of vibration or wave. Literally, we could say here that the Spirit is literally making waves. Uh, And when you think about it, that's a big part of how our world works. It works more often than it doesn't by way of waves and vibrations. We can point to sound waves and and surface waves and mechanical waves and electromagnetic waves. And it's by way of all of these waves and vibrations that the Holy Spirit is engineering a world that is ordered instead of chaotic. And the the, the Spirit is not totally unlike a lot of you uh, this last week. Uh, we had the Fort Scott High School reunion in town this last week, the all-school reunion, and uh, maybe some of you all week long, and maybe even for months, have been prepping, right, for all of your classmates to be back in town so you can spend some some good times and, and uh, talking, and so you've spent... Not just this last week, probably, but a long time getting things ready and securing places to meet and decorating tables and picking up food and we, you were scurrying about and you were making everything was that was just right so that your class could get together and talk about why parachute pants were ever a thing, right? And that's the Holy Spirit here. That's what He's doing. The first time we ever meet this, the Holy Spirit in Scripture, which is right out of the gate in verse number 2, he's bringing order out of chaos so that we can thrive in an environment created by God. And that's, that's a pretty good job description for what the Spirit does always. Wherever there is disorder, the Spirit tries to bring order. Wherever there is chaos, he attempts to bring healing and harmony. And so right now, Whatever disorder there is in your life, the Holy Spirit with kind of an ADHD energy and is is quivering and hovering and pulsing over you and in you, he's waving uh, through you in an attempt to bring you into a right relationship with your creator. And whatever that thing is that is most on your mind right now, whatever that weight is that is pressing on your shoulders It's also on God's heart because of the Holy Spirit. And he's an advocate for what matters most to you. And so the Holy Spirit makes waves and brings order out of chaos. Here's the third thing. It's still another surprise. Verse 3 says this, and God said, let there be light. And in this verse, we can say this, the sun makes waves. The Son makes way. We encounter God in God the Father in verse one. And in the second verse, we encounter God the Spirit. And in verse 3, if we read between the lines a little, we will clearly see the Son Himself. And God said, and there it is in the word said. God creates the world by simply speaking it into existence. And if we fast forward to the New Testament and we come to the gospel writer of John. Uh, who was one of the great good friends of Jesus. In the very first word, we see that John calls his friend Jesus the word of God. John writes and even steals the opening line from Genesis. In John 1, he says, in the beginning. Does that ring a bell? Yes. Sounds like Genesis 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And John later tells us that this Word, this Logos of God, is in fact God's Son, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is the acting agent in creation. He's the word who says. He's the word who speaks things into being. And so God said, when we read that in Genesis, it means that God is, God, Jesus Christ, the son of God, is calling out and bringing things into existence. Paul will write the exact same thing. He will say about Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And so right away in the first three verses of Genesis, God makes waves. He creates everything that is. And we can think of these first three verses of Genesis this way, that God the Father is the architect who designed the plan for existence. And then there is God the Son, who is the builder. He is creating with just his words that he speaks. And then there is God the Spirit, who is the engineer, who is infusing every part of creation with life and with beauty and with order. And so verse 1, God the Father. Verse 2, God the Spirit. Verse 3, God the Son. And together the Trinity creates the world we inhabit. And everything in it, including you and me. And because he's made waves, his fingerprints are all over us. And that means something spectacular. It means that his heart is fully for us. Because when your fingerprints are on it, your heart is in it. There's an interesting note about Genesis 1 as you read down through this chapter, and maybe some of you will do that this week. Um, God has a certain relationship with creation as a whole, and it can best be seen in the very first blessing that he gives in Scripture. It's the first blessing that ever goes out from the mouth of God, and it's for all of the living and breathing and swimming and flying things and moving things over all the earth people aren't around yet, so it's not for us, but it's for God's creatures. It's him blessing his creatures. And in verse 22, he says, it says, God blessed them and says, be fruitful and multiply over all the earth. He speaks over them. That's the idea. But but then he creates man. We come to verse 26, and it says, let us make man in our image after our, our likeness. And God does. And then he blesses mankind just like he blessed the creatures but I want you to see what's different about the blessing to the creatures he gives his blessing saying in other words he's giving a general blessing over all of the creatures that he's created but when it comes to us it's different it's written differently it's personal he comes to the man and the woman he creates and in verse 28 he blesses them and he says to them, that's different. Of all the creatures God makes, he only speaks one-on-one with us. We have a different intimate relation to the creator than any other part of creation. God has more commitment to us than any other part of creation. He loves everything he's made, but we have this closeness, this intimacy with him that no other creature has. Why? Because we are the only creature, the only part of creation that discloses what God is like. His own image is built into us. There's a good uh, mentor. um, His name was Roy Weiss. He's passed away. And a lot of you will recognize that name. But he was a great Christian mentor to a lot of people. And one time when I was with him, he told me about being at Mount Rushmore. Has any Anybody ever been to Mount Rushmore? Yes. Um, first, I don't know. I think you can kind of see Mount Rushmore for a mile away. You know, so why why pay to get in? You know, it's, it's kind of there. Uh, but if you do pay, there's this little path that you walk up and it leads to this little viewing patio where uh, the presidents are unobstructed for as much viewing pleasure as you can stand. And if you take your kids, they will they will look up there and they will count to four and then they will turn to you and say, where are the go-karts, right? Um, and Roy is there on the platform in the middle of all of these people who are looking up at these four faces carved out of a mountain and who are fighting their kids as to why they're there. Um, you really should go. I'm, I'm not saying don't go. It is a spectacle, okay? But here's Roy in the middle of all of these people and he, Roy was just the type of guy that would just go fishing. He would just, he was always fishing, for Jesus. And so he was always just throwing out a line to see who would bite. What stranger today would be interested in a conversation about God if I just threw out a line and maybe they would be led to uh, follow Jesus today? That, That was who Roy was. And so true to form, right there on the patio looking up at Mount Rushmore, he just starts talking out loud, making sure that everyone around him is well aware of his words. And he says something like this. You know, this is amazing. We're all looking up here at these faces and we are in awe. I mean, there's no way that we would ever look up at these amazingly carved faces and believe that they got there by accident, that they just formed into place after millions and billions of years of weather and wind and storms. We would never get anyone to believe that idea. No, no, no. Somebody obviously climbed up there and made these things out of the mountain. They carved the faces out of the mountain. And yet, he went on, when it comes to the real flesh and blood faces that are looking up at those stone faces we are perfectly content to say that they were accidents. Without the aid of any external source at all, they just came into being, and with such intricacy and precision as well. And I wonder, and he's talking the loudest now, he's still talking out loud to whoever will listen, I wonder, I wonder how we could ever come to such an idea. Now, I don't know if he got a bite that day. I don't know if somebody turned to him and said, man, I've I've really never thought about it like that. I don't know if that happened, but I do know he's right. Just like there's no way, there's no doubt that somebody climbed up Mount Rushmore and started chiseling rocks to make faces of famous presidents, there's also no doubting that our faces have on them the fingerprints of God who chiseled us out of the earth and made us into beings that carry his very likeness we could say it this way out of all creation God's fingerprints are on us the most Genesis 1 then God said let us make man in our image after our likeness now that's a verse that comes with questions right away we say wait us? Who's us? We just covered it. The answer is God, the architect and the spirit, the engineer and the son, the builder. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let us put our fingerprints on humans so that they carry in their being some of the characteristics that we have. And so to be made in God's image means that we share qualities with God that no other part of creation shares with God. We paint walls. There's not one of you that will go home to to a house today that's not somehow splashed with color. And only humans do that. Why? Why do we do that? Because God is an artist, and we share his image. And so we're artists too. We check the time. Some of you are doing that right now. How much longer do we have here? What other animal does that? Answer, none. There's no kangaroo that puts events on a calendar. There's no wildebeest that, watch, that wears a watch. There's no gorilla that makes a p- appointments. Yeah, I knew, I knew. Like Father's Day was last week, but I thought, you know, uh, we need one more dad joke in there. Um, but time is hardwired into us, Right? God brokers time even though he is above time and he put that characteristic in us. We check the time all the time. We eat with other people. No animal sets up time for family meals. Hey, we're all meeting at six. Animals don't do that. No animals get out the special china for special events and holiday dinners. And they certainly don't decorate tables with flowers and candles or tablecloths. This eating together and the intimacy and closeness it communicates is one of, uh, one of the few universal features of every Christian church throughout history. And it's been the Lord's Supper. We come together every week and we eat a meal together. Why? Because we are like God. We share stories. Uh, my class got together with about 10 other classes that the, had graduated in the 1980s at Memorial Hall on Friday night, and we had a wonderful time talking for about the first hour and a half, and then DJ Kirby Hams uh, uh, started up, and uh, no, nobody could hear anybody anymore, and uh, we couldn't understand what anybody was saying to each other, and we felt really old to have to say, I wonder if they could turn the music down so we could talk, you know? Why... With great efficiency, we have this gift of understanding and communicating with each other. This gift of language, right? Why do we have that? Because we are made in God's image. And he communicates that way. The fingerprints of God are all over you. And what that means is that his heart is for you more than you will ever know. And it also, it also means that you have a purpose. You were created by a creator to create. And when you do, God can be seen in you. We are the only creature that God has created that has the ability to reveal what God is like. And so if God is only known and imaged in human beings, then it makes sense that the path his son Jesus had to take in order to disclose to the world who God was was to become human himself. God's fingerprints are on all of us and so his heart is for us and that's why he gave us his son. He gave his heart to you when Jesus came to this world to become human like us, to live a perfect life and to give that perfection on a cross in payment for our sin. Maybe the thing that you need to create in your life is not a bee vacuum. Maybe the thing you need to create in your life right now, right today, is a relationship with the God who sent his son into the world as a human in order to save you. Maybe you need to make a wave in your life today, one that you will, will carry you into a right relationship with, with God the architect and his spirit the engineer and with his son, the builder who is the word and the savior of your life. Father, we thank you that you are the creator of everything, that your fingerprints are on us and that means that your heart is for us. God, we thank you so much that Jesus came and he became human just like us so that now we know who you are fully. God, we know that there is life in the name of Jesus, I pray that if there's somebody here today that does not know that life, that they will find it today. That they will create it by stepping out and saying, "I need Jesus in my life." Would you work in this place as a father and through your Spirit and in your Son? It's in the name of Jesus, that we pray. Everybody, say.